Well, this morning, um, I want to tell you a little story. Um, I hope it'll illustrate for you um, kind of what's happening in these verses. Uh, as you know, um, we've preached on chapter 1, and we preached on chapter 2, but the end of it, verses 5 through, through 18. Um, we kind of purposely waited for this one because we wanted you to see how different it is than those other two passages. So both chapter 1 is a deep theology, deep doctrine about who Christ is, and all that he is uh, in the universe uh, and, in, and in relation to, to us and in relation to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And chapter 2, as we looked at last week, we talked about the fact that this great God, this great superior, better than all the angels, angels better than anyone ever, this great God came and became a sacrifice for us and is now presently functioning as like a high priest, an intercessor for us. So we get to see uh, the reality of these two worlds. He came and stepped into this world and became a baby that was born in a manger and then grew and lived here and then taught and then did miracles and then sacrificed his life for us and then rose again victorious. So we get to see these two pictures, but right in the middle are these four verses that Tanya just read for us. And they start with these very important words uh, to pay attention, which made me think about all the sermons I've heard in my life. Now, I was born into a family. My dad was a pastor by the time I was uh, two or three years old. And so I've heard a lot of sermons. I've heard him preach a lot of sermons. I was trying to estimate it this weekend. I think probably close to a thousand sermons uh, from, from my dad, which was a blessing. I don't remember them all. In fact, I remember... Very few of them. My memory's not great. Some of you tell me, oh, remember when your dad preached this? Or remember when your dad preached that? And I'm grateful that you remember because it reminds me. But I remember this one day. Now, I was probably eight years old. I still sat in the very front row next to my mother and my little brother. And my older sister and my older brother, because they were older, got to sit in the balcony, like away from the parents. And a lot of other kids from the church who were older got to sit in the balcony away from the parents. So you know what that leads to, right? Bunch of kids in the balcony, you know, they're, they're, the sermon's going on and on. Well, I'm in the front row. I'm not really paying attention to them. I'm just doodling on my, on my bulletin or something like that, drawing animals or something. And all of a sudden, I hear my father's voice change. He goes from preaching, just sort of in his normal tone, to saying, kids, pay attention, right in the middle of everything. And everybody jumped, especially me, because that voice is the scary voice that my dad has. He has like the nice voice, but then there's the scary voice when he's really like at the verge of bringing punishment, bringing down wrath because we've been too crazy in the car, or we've been too, cra too crazy with each other or whatever. And so his voice would change. That's exactly like this. This preacher, we, we don't know his name, but this is a sermon here. We've talked about that. This preacher is preaching along. He's talking about the greatness of God, the power of God, the, 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 what God has done through Christ and who Christ really is in the heavenlies, that he's better than anything or anyone else. And then he stops here in this verse, and, and again, these numbers are artificial, you know that. These numbers were not there. But right here at the beginning of chapter 2 for us, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to do what we have heard. 
to, to, to listen to that so that we will not drift away. So in chapter one, the preacher's telling us about one reality. In chapter two, verses five through 18, he's talking about another reality, Christ on earth, Christ in heaven, Christ on earth, but right in the middle, we must pay very careful attention. This is important because he says something here that we have to listen to. We can't see him saying it. We, we can hear it, though, as we read it and as it's, it, as it's been preserved for us by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has taught the gospel to us. He's brought it through his life, and God has confirmed it through his life. And it can be heard as we read it or as someone preaches it, as we listen to it. It can be meditated on, God's holy word, his scripture. But you've all heard the saying, I'll believe it when I see it, right? I don't know where that saying comes from. I'm sure it's, it's old. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, that's like a skeptical way of looking at life, right? We do, we, we're not quite sure what we're being told is true. Well, this preacher here is saying the opposite. You've heard it. So believe it. You've heard these things. Hearing is believing for followers of Christ. We don't live back in the Bible times. We live in these current times. We, we have to hear the message and believe the message. I mean, just think about the things that we believe in, which we never have actually seen. I believe there was a man called George Washington, don't you? Have any of you met George Washington? I don't think so. But we believe because the history books tell us about George Washington, right? I believe there's a warm and wonderful place called Fiji, the Fiji Islands. I dream about them on days like today when it's below zero. I've never been to Fiji. I've seen some pictures that I'm told are Fiji. Has anyone here been to Fiji? I'll be really jealous. Oh, oh, Mike, awesome. That's why you wear shorts every day. <laughs> You're dreaming of Fiji. Um, anyway, so we, we take these things. I mean, think about it, how we're living even right now. We don't see the virus, but we've heard about the virus at nauseum. <laughs> we just hear about it, hear about it, hear about it, right? So these things that are real, we hear about and we believe. So that's what the author here is saying. We've heard about these things. And most rational individuals believe in things that they can't see, but they've only heard of from reputable people. Reputable is the key word in that sentence. And this passage that Tanya read to us, he talks about how reputable this message is. It came to us through Jesus Christ. He was the first one to announce it in verse 3. You see that? And then God himself testified to it. In other words, he, he put his stamp of approval on it with these signs and wonders and the various miracles and the gifts of the Spirit which he has given to his people. So that reputable sources are, are listed right here in these verses. So you see, Hebrews is about having faith. In fact, that's what basically all we really know about Hebrews, most of us, is that we haven't studied it in detail like we are now in this series, but we knew it's about faith because it's a chapter later on in, in this book, which is all about faith. 
And it mentions all the people of the Bible, the different heroes and their faith, right? So we know that, and we know that the author is going to get there as, as he's preaching this sermon. The preacher will say this exact thing in chapter 11 when he defines faith as being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is a key verse for the whole book of Hebrews. And we're already seeing him encourage us towards our faith. The preacher's main point for us is because we need hope and we need courage, especially when we're weary and worn out and tired and persecuted. We need hope. We need to know that the things we've been told, the promises that God has given us will be fulfilled. And that comes through faith. So we are called here to pay more attention to what is heard than to what we can see in front of us right now today. We don't see everything that's real. Chapter 1 the, the preacher here has painted this beautiful picture of the majesty and superiority of Jesus. He wants us to see it with his words and understand it and believe it. Believing that God is a man of his word and a, and a God who keeps his promises is extremely important. In fact, you know Romans 8 when Paul tells us in verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed to us. How has it been revealed to us at this point? It's been revealed through what we've heard. We've, we've had glimpses of it written in, in God's holy word. That's why scripture is so important. He says, he goes on to say, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Hope that is seen, in other words, if we already have that thing in our hands, we don't need to hope for it. We've already received it, right? So hope and faith are, are about the future. They're about what's, what's to be, not what we currently have. Paul writes there some more in Romans 8. He says, who hopes for what he already has? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That passage fits right in with how this preacher in Hebrews is trying to reach his people, to help them to understand, to hold on to their hope and know that God works things for the good. Even though we go through tangible experiences, tough times of testing and trials in our lives. Verse 1 tells us, during those times, especially during those times, we must pay careful attention to what we have heard from Jesus, recorded for us in the Gospels, and what Jesus... This mic's going out again, isn't it? Let me move this one over here. I don't know if that'll be a problem. I hate to cause problems for the sound guy. I don't know. We want some consistency in the sound, so sorry about that. So as we are tested and as we go through times, what we've heard about Jesus becomes even more important. We talk about it like a foundation, you know, like we've got to have our solid foundation that we know that we know that we know 
what God has told us about Christ and what Christ has told us about himself and what the apostles have recorded for us about Christ, we know that that's true. So that when we go through trials and we're experiencing things that get in the way, that become obstacles to our understanding, that, that confuse us, when that happens, we go back to what we've heard. We go back to God's word. I want you to... Um, imagine for me, uh, there's, there's, and maybe you've seen it, I saw it recently again on a, a game show um, where, where partners are partnered up and one is blindfolded and needs to go through an obstacle course and get something and bring it back. But the other one is not blindfolded, but they have to stay back behind this line. And so they send their partner out and they have to say like, okay, step, step over that log, you know, I'll climb under that fence, go around that big mud puddle or whatever, you know, okay, reach to your left. No, to your other left. You know, they do all this instruction. The person can't see. They can only hear the instructions. That's what this passage is like. Sometimes you can't see clearly. Sometimes I can't see clearly. I get confused by what's going on around me. Sometimes what's going on inside of me. The only thing that's solid is God's word. Jesus is the anchor. Because of the facts that have just been shared for us about Christ, that Jesus is better, even better than angels... That he's superior, given the superiority of Christ and his identity as God, the son of God, but as God himself. We are being told in these verses that Jesus deserves our full attention. He should be listened to. Think of how many times in scripture we're told to listen. He should be listened to. Well, We're not hearing tangible voice all the time, right? But we have God's word. We can read it out loud. Sometimes for my own sanity, I read out loud to myself. Because I can read in silence and understand what I'm reading. But something else happens when I actually read out loud God's word to myself. It's like I'm, I'm just reinforcing that truth because I'm hearing it. Something takes place in us when we give our full attention to God. We must pay attention. We must listen when God speaks. How foolish we are to ignore him. He loves us. He has given us the pathway to paradise, to everything good, to everything we could ever imagine is, is, is here for us. But we have to follow by listening, by paying attention, and then obeying the instructions as we listen to him intently. In fact, the, The message that we hear through hearing, but we can't see, is super important. Our hearing is super important. Why? Well, because, as you see in verse 1, at the very end, after we're told to pay attention, we're told to pay attention so that we do not drift away. So that we do not drift away. Now I'm causing problems. I can tell. The language of drifting here, drifting away is the language of a boat, right? Just like boats in the ocean, our soul, our being, can begin to veer off course. Now drifting isn't like driving. Drifting is, drifting happens when we're 
not really doing anything, right? So if you kind of stop paddling, or, or in this case, there's a sailboat there, but you take the sails down, right? If we don't put down an anchor, we drift. The water's moving, or the wind is moving. I mean, there's no way to stay in the same place. On a very, very, very calm day, you'll still even drift. I don't know if that's because the earth is moving or what, but, but you'll still drift ever so slightly. So it's important for us to understand what this means. Because this is, this is a matter of where our soul ends up. How foolish to ignore this, right? We can veer off course very easily. You don't have to be far off course to never get to where you intended to get to. The preacher here in Hebrews tells us here that there is only one way to fight against the dangerous drift of spiritual drifting. We must carefully listen and pay attention to God's word. Because either we're listening Filling our our minds and our hearts and our soul with Jesus and with his words and with the truth of God's word and walking in the light of that, or we're drifting. There is no in-between. Or we're driving in a complete other direction. We're in rebellion, right? So so we're either listening to Jesus, following him, following him day by day, or we're getting carried away by the cultural confusion all around us. Those ideas that are not from God. Those directions that don't take us closer to God. They're everywhere, all the time, every day. And sadly, we have all witnessed, either in our own lives or in the lives of others, spiritual drift. It's the story of many individuals' lives. Many families, churches, even whole denominations have drifted from the truth from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Once very strong believers in Christ, followers of God's word, are changed little by little as they drift away from the plain truth of the gospel and start listening to to a different voice. See, the preacher knows that we're prone to drift when things fall apart. When things don't go our way, when we get discouraged, when we get depressed, when we get confused, we start to drift. That's when we need to hear the word of God even more. When we don't understand the answer to this question, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Why am I not seeing what I want to see? Why are people against me? Why is my health against me? Why are my finances against me? Why are these things happening? When we start asking that question, why, and we listen for the answer anywhere other than in God's word, we will drift. We will drift. Now, God's word helps us in the mystery. It holds us in the mystery. It gives us some clues as to God's sovereignty and his plan. We don't get it all. We'll get it one day when we see him face to face, but we don't get it all. You see, it's easy to follow Jesus faithfully when life is good, isn't it? No problem. When we feel blessed. When our prayers are answered. But when they're not, 
When things aren't going well, it becomes harder and harder to follow Jesus. That's when we need to hear God's word most. And that is what the author, the the preacher here of Hebrews, is trying to help his people to see. The preacher knows that we're prone to drift when things are hard. And he knows his congregation is going through a hard time. God is testing them. Or he's allowing Satan to even to tempt them. So we need to learn how to avoid as they need to learn how to avoid. And we will as we study this book, The Spiritual Drift. The answer is clear for us in so many words. In verse 1, we must pay careful attention to what we have heard. But the importance of hearing God's word is vital throughout all of scripture. This isn't the only place. In fact, God repeats that again and again and again. The apostle Paul, again, I'll refer to him in Romans, in Romans 10, 17. He says, faith actually comes from what you hear. And what is heard comes through the message that you've heard about Christ. So faith comes from hearing the word of God. But hearing, maybe that's why the, we got this sound problem here. Hearing is more than just audible, sensory understanding. Your, your eardrum's working. You're receiving that message and it's, it's computing somehow in God's amazing computer that he's given us as a brain. Hearing, hearing in scripture, hearing in the way that things are put together in God's word is not about hearing with your ear all the time. Jesus actually said, they are looking, but they do not see. They're hearing, but they do not listen or understand when he was speaking of the people in the, in the gospel of Matthew. He also said, my sheep hear my voice, and then they follow me, and they will follow no other in the gospel of John. So right hearing is more a matter of the heart than a function of our ears. We must hear with our hearts. We can avoid spiritual drifting by dropping the anchor of our hearts in the deep water of God's word. We can avoid that. We can read God's word. We can listen to God's word and hear it and meditate on it and be changed by it. In fact, Paul again says in Romans 12, don't, don't be confirmed to the pattern of, conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. Day by day, what does God want from you today? Where does he want you to go? Who does he want you to talk to? Who does he want you to share with? What does he want you to do with your money? What does he want you to do with your time? What is God's will for my life? How do we find it? By hearing him, by listening to him, by not being conformed, but letting his word transform our mind. That's how we begin to understand what God wants from us individually, from us as a church, from Christians around the world. You see, the danger of drifting is a very real danger. It's not only that we might miss out on spiritual health and prosperity and a fruitful life. The danger of a spiritual drift 
is that we might not be able to discern God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. He created you for a purpose. He created me for a purpose. He wants us to do something with our lives that he will show us, but we must listen. We must attune ourselves to his voice. Because in the midst of life's struggles, in the midst of life's storms, we lose our ability often to find our way on our own, and we need God's help to get us through those problems. And we know that our biggest problem is sin. Let's just be honest. When we lose our ability to hear, we are in danger of abandoning the gospel itself and going in another direction completely. For God has made it clear through Jesus that there is only one way to find forgiveness and cleansing from our sins. There is only one way to find eternal life with Jesus and God in heaven. Jesus said it himself, and you can say it out loud with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the truth of the gospel. It's not popular. It's not modern. It's not postmodern. It, it, it's the truth. It'll always be the truth, and it's always been the truth. We come to God through Christ. Outside of Christ, we find ourselves under God's judgment for our sins. I want to read to you verse 3. How shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? Such a great salvation, a magnificent salvation, one of the, one of the versions says. You see, Hebrew tells us how to be saved and how to walk in the power of God when we are saved. It tells us something that we need to know. We know what Jesus did because we can read the gospel accounts of his life, his miracles, his teachings, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. We know what he did, but the question that we need to know in the midst of my trouble today is not a history question. I want to know, and you need to know, and I need to know, what is Jesus doing right now? Where is he in the midst of my trouble? Where is he in the midst of my sickness? Where is he in the midst of my grief? Where is he? What is he doing? See, the story of just his life here on earth doesn't help us. Not today. That's history. It already happened. What we need to know and what Hebrews will reveal to us is, is a view of what Jesus is doing right now for us, for his people. In fact, in chapter 2, in verse 17, it points out to us, and this is how God has purposely laid it out so that we can see it clearly in, in, in the material world, in the world that we live in, he set up the foundations for worship, for drawing close to God by directing his people in the Old Testament to set up the priesthood and the sacrifices and the tabernacle and the temple. He gave specific direction to set that up so that we could visually see something that was a picture of or a, an image of what heaven is like. You see, God wants to draw people to himself and closer to himself, but sin was a problem. And so God made sure that there was a high priest 
And that the high priest was the most important person, the most special individual of all in his worship that he set up for the nation of Israel. And on one day a year, the day of atonement, during that worship service, the high priest could enter into a special place in the temple or tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. It was a restricted area. No one could go there. Only the, whole, the high priest could enter that space. And only on that one day. You can read about this in Leviticus chapter 16 or 23. But once inside the Holy of Holies, the high priest could then present himself to God and then offer a blood sacrifice to present God's people to God and to ask for the forgiveness of their sins for that one year. And then the next year, they would do it again. And then the next year, they would do it again. And then the next year, they would do it again. And on and on and on until that pattern was set so that now in Hebrews, when Jesus comes, has come, and has already paid the price, laid down his life, shed his blood for us, it teaches us that now Jesus serves as the perfect high priest. He's currently our high priest. Because he presented himself to God, lived a perfect life, laid it down for us, he atoned for our sins. He made us one with God by removing our sins once and for all. Not one day a year, one special day to be repeated again and again, but once and for all. And on the cross, he provided what was necessary for us to live in a relationship with our Heavenly Father forever, to be forgiven forever. It's the best news there is. By dying for us, Jesus paid for our sins. And he brought that before the Father as a high priest, and the Father received it and forgave our sins. You see, here's the issue. The gospel is good news, but here's the thing. The good news is only really good when it is accepted in the place of the bad news. The bad news is that we truly deserve punishment for our sins against God, for our rebellion against God. The really bad news is that we will be even more accountable to God if we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and we have heard that he is the way and the truth and the life and then we still reject Christ. If we hear that message and reject it, we are more accountable for our sins. Verse 3 reminds us that the gospel's good news for those who put their faith and trust in Christ, but it's actually terrible news for those who reject Christ. That's the truth of the gospel. Again, it's not popular. But we're not trying to be popular. We're trying to be truthful. We're trying to be people of God's word. The angels, the prophets, the apostles, the disciples, the holy scriptures, the church throughout history, the great cloud of witnesses that are referred to in Hebrews 12 are calling out in a loud voice to you and to me, do not ignore such a great salvation. Make it the center of your life. Make it the core of who you are, that you are saved and forgiven and forever will be with God because of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. One translation puts this, do not ignore such a great salvation, this way. Listen to how the message says it, these four verses. I just want you to hear this before I end here this morning. It's crucial. In fact, close your eyes because you just want to hear. I don't want you to see me. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 
It is crucial that we keep a firm grip on what we've heard so that we don't drift off. You see, if the old message delivered by the angels was valid and nobody got away with anything back then, do you think that we could risk neglecting this latest message, this magnificent salvation? First of all, it was delivered in person by the master, Jesus then accurately passed on to us by those who heard it from him. All the while, God was validating it with gifts through his Holy Spirit, all sorts of signs and miracles as God saw fit. You can open your eyes. If you hear anything from this message today, hear this. Pay more careful attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the days ahead. Do not ignore him. Christ stands ready to help us in the midst of our difficulties. In fact, chapter 2, verse 17 finishes this way. He is our merciful and faithful high priest. If he had not taken on flesh and bones, if he had not become a man like us, we would still be under the control of Satan and dreading death and without hope. But his willingness in love to come down to us, become one of us, to die in our place points us to his great, great love. Amen? Whoever believes that message about Jesus will be saved. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you believe and hold on firmly to that message and let it be the core of your being in Christ, you will be saved. So keep a firm grip on this message. Please pray with me. Father God, we need your help to anchor our lives, our soul in Christ. We know we can't do it in, even in our own strength. We could, we could determine in this new year to, to make it our resolution, but we can't do it without your help. So give us your spirit, the strength of your spirit, to remove other things that are in the way and make Christ center, the center of who we are. Forgive us for, for ignoring him or forgetting, being sloppy or lazy. Help us to see the reality of Jesus every day by the power of your spirit. We know there is no better way. Jesus is better than them all. In Christ we pray, amen. Amen.